everybody. So glad you're here this weekend. You may take a seat. I'm so excited today to be kicking off a brand new teaching series for the next four weeks. We're going to talk about a very important subject, the subject of courage. And I must admit, over the last three months, as I knew that this day was coming, I spent a lot of time thinking about and maybe overthinking what this first series would be all about. And I had a moment in July where I had three different message series already written for this time right now. And I sent a text to a friend and I said, hey, pray for me. I need, I need some prayer to really know what it is that God wants this first series to be about. And the thing that happened for me was I was taken back on my journey over the last six months from the time I preached here in March as a guest speaker to now what was the, the character trait that I needed more than any other character trait. It was the character trait of courage. So this series is really an opening of my journal to you because there have been so many moments over these last six months where I'm sitting down with our friends who started the church that we pastored for 14 years, and they're the couple that we invited to start the church with us in 2008, to look them in the eyes and say, we're, we're leaving, figure it out, and to have conversations with staff members and to sit down with our kids in a living room and tell them that we're leaving their friends and the schools that they love, and so many moments where this great sense of, I, I need courage for this track. And I know today for you that there is a place in your life where you need courage, and courage is that substance in your life. Whenever there's change, courage is necessary. Let me say it again. Whenever there is change in your life, courage is necessary because all growth is preceded by change, but all change is preceded by courage. And we want to look over the next four weeks at the importance and the significance of how do you cultivate courage in your life because there are relationships in your life where you are one to two conversations away from a different relationship and the ingredient you need to have that conversation is courage. And there are places in your life where you think about a career move or you're thinking about a big decision with a future or perhaps some of you have been in a relationship for decades that you know is not going anywhere. You've been dating this person and it's not going anywhere. You thought he was going to propose a decade ago and he's still trying to get his life together and you're like, I'm still here and you know deep inside that, that it needs to stop. There are parts of your life where the very thing that is holding you back from the, the, the life that God has created you to live is courage internally. And I hope over these next four months, that, four weeks, that God will give you a massive dose of courage in your heart as we look at a story from the Bible, a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua was this great hero of the faith, and the thing he needed more than anything else was courage. The thing that I need more than anything else is courage. I needed courage to leave what we had started. I need courage to step in. I need courage to parent teenagers. I need courage. And I know that you do too. So I want to start with a definition of courage. And this is the working definition that we'll have for these next four weeks together. Courage is the ability to make the hard right choice at a great personal cost. It's the ability to make the hard right choice at a great personal cost. There's Big courage and little courage. And sometimes we can get distracted by big courage and miss out on the need for small courage. That maybe when you think about people who've been courageous in human history or modern history, you might think of people like Nelson Mandela that stepped up and said, okay, I'm going to fight for racial equality in South Africa. 
Or you may think of people like Corey Ten Boom in World War II that would hide Jews in a basement so that they could live as the Nazis came through town and it eventually would cost her whole family their lives. So you could think of examples like that, but there's also the day-to-day examples of conversations that need to happen and decisions that need to be made and areas of our life that need to come into the light so that we can be free from our past. There are choices that we can make to cooperate, the hard right choice at a great personal cost. That's the courage that we're looking for. And we're going to look at this story of Joshua, but I want to set up a little bit of the context of what is happening because when we come to Joshua, what we're going to find is Joshua is at this pivotal moment where he's being passed the baton from Moses. Now Moses is this great leader that has been around for over 40 years. And Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt when they were in slavery. And God used Moses with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. God used Moses to come through the Red Sea and God split the Red Sea. And God used Moses in the wilderness by speaking to him on top of a mountain by giving him the first five books of the Bible. This is a great towering leader that Joshua is going to follow. But Joshua doesn't show up just at the book of Joshua. Joshua is actually on the scene with Moses from the point that the Israelites leave Egypt until they go into the promised land. And when they get into the wilderness after coming out of Egypt, there was a moment right at the beginning before they wandered for 40 years that Moses would select 12 spies, 12 leaders, and send them from the wilderness into the promised land to scout it out. And when they went to the promised land to scout it out, they were there for 40 days And while they were there, at the end of 40 days, they came back to give a report of what they had seen in the promised land. And there were two people that believed they had courage that it was possible that God would take the nation of Israel into the promised land. And you know their names. It's Joshua and Caleb. And you might have a son named Joshua or a son named Caleb, but I guarantee you, you don't have a son named the other 10 spies. You probably don't even know their names. Because they were the ones that didn't have courage. See, there's consequences to not living a life of courage. In fact, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for four decades because of a lack of courage. And the lack of courage became a curse that prevented them from stepping into the fullness of what God had for them. And I want to encourage you today, there are benefits with courage. There's a difference that happens in your life that you move faster through the obstacles. In fact, sometimes in our lives, we stare at obstacles so long. And the longer you stare at an obstacle, the bigger it gets. But courage is that ingredient that allows you to charge at the obstacle with faith that God will give you what you need to get over that obstacle. Kind of like Spartan races. Anybody ever seen a Spartan race just out of curiosity? It's like a bunch of mid-30s and 40-year-old men who kind of want to feel young again and kind of got the dad bod, and they go out there with their bandanas, and they get their stamps on the arms, and they act like warriors. We're Spartans. And at these Spartan races, I did a couple of them, so I fit all those descriptions. (laughs) And at the Spartan races, there are these 10-foot walls. And one of the things I noticed at the first Spartan race is I would walk up And people would get to the wall, and I would watch people bent down, staring at the wall, like, looking at it. As if the longer you look at it, the shorter it gets. And I do have a little bit of dose of crazy inside of me. And so when I would see the wall, I just sprint at the wall as fast as I can. I have no idea how I'm going to get over the wall, but I'm just running as fast as I can. And every time it worked. 
By the time I got to the wall, I just jumped and I got over it. And that's, that's the ingredient of courage. What it does is it allows you to move at the obstacle. But the, the, the ingredient that is opposite of courage, the fear or the anxiety or the selfishness, what happens is that you stare at an obstacle and so often fail to step into the fullness of what God has for you. So I want you today to hear these words that God gives to Joshua so that you and I can not be prevented from the fullness of what God has created us to experience in this life. Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to invite you to look at the screens. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So Joshua was one of the two spies that believed. Joshua was Moses' assistant that was with him. When Moses would go up on Mount Sinai, Joshua was there with him. When Moses would go to the tabernacle and pray, there was Joshua. So Joshua undoubtedly had a unique, special, personal relationship with Moses. Moses was like a father to Joshua, 40 years older than him. And all of these moments in Joshua's life had compiled to get Joshua to this point. Joshua was not going to be able to get across the promised land with Moses or into the promised land and across the Jordan with Moses, but he never would have gotten to this moment without Moses. And he's standing here, and this is the moment. God says to Joshua, look at these words, Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Joshua was a part of Moses' funeral. It's like, I don't need to know he's already dead. You, you, thank you, God, for telling me something I already know. But isn't it true so often that the greatest growth in our lives comes not from new information, but from the things that you already know to be true, that it's time to start acting on and having courage with. In fact, for Moses, or for Joshua, Moses had been his source of courage for all these years. And God is saying, the source of courage that you've relied upon for all of these decades is now gone. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, if there has ever been a Moses in our generation, it's Pastor Rick Warren. And I'm so grateful he's not dead. <laughs> but I also know for so many of us that we have looked to him for leadership and we have looked to him for courage. And God would say to the Israelites and God would say to Joshua and God would say to us today, there's a new source of courage. And it's not Andy, it's not Pastor Rick Warren, it's not a great model for ministry. There's a new source of courage that I want to give to you and put in your heart as you look to the future. And he's going to unpack how Joshua can get that courage. So he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you, Joshua, to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. So there's this massive river that's at flood stage. And Joshua, you've got two million people to get across the river. No bridge, no, no easy way across, but somehow I'm gonna make a way. Somehow I'm going to use you to lead my people to the promise that they have been waiting for for generations. And I believe that not only did God want to raise up a Joshua generation with Joshua, God wants to raise up a Joshua generation right now in this church. That God is looking for men and women to lead into the future. And this Joshua generation is not about age, it's not about your ethnic background, it's not about your gender, it is about your faith and courage in what is possible with the God of the universe. And God is going to say, Joshua, now is the time. 
to lead a generation across the Jordan River into the promise that I have for them. And he's saying something very specific that I want us to hear. What he is doing for Joshua in this moment is he is giving Joshua a vision of where they're headed. That's why doing things like Vision Weekend and having times to look at our future are so important because we need that picture in our mind of where God is leading us. And the first truth I want you to write down, the first step that we can take is the step to connect with the cause for courage. To connect with the reason why we need more courage. See, if I were to get in your face and say, have more courage, and you look at me and you're like, well, why do I need courage? Because if the why is not connected to the, the, the courage, then the courage doesn't grow in our lives. But the more that we understand the cause for courage, the more the encourage increases. Let me explain it like this. If I were to take you to a burning building, or let's say that we're standing outside of a burning building, and I were to say, uh, please run inside that burning building and grab your L.A. Rams jersey. Or I were to say, run inside and get your Chargers hat. And for those of you who are not in the United States of America, these are American football teams. We understand it's a brown ball, it doesn't look like an actual football, and it's not real football, we understand. Um, and there are people that go crazy over American football, and right now it's just started. And I've moved to Southern California, and there are two teams, and I can't decide which team I should cheer for. And really, I'm just debating, do I have enough courage to be a Chargers fan? And I'm trying <laughs> to decide if I should. We love the Chargers, by the way. Um, but if I were to say to you, go inside and get your Chargers jersey or your Rams hat, or I would just say, run inside and get your cat, chances are you would not run inside. But if I were to say, your dog is inside that building, <laughs> it's a totally different equation. If I were to say, your kid's in there, you might say, which kid? Um, <laughs> just kidding. But you would, you would run in for a child, or you would run in for a spouse or a parent because the cause for courage had shifted. I want you to write this down. A greater cause will give me bigger courage. A greater cause will give me bigger courage. So the more connected you are to the reason for courage, it changes you. So if we were to say, there's an area of your life that needs to be confessed and brought into the light. So many men's statistics show us currently are struggling with pornography. And if we were to say that choice that you make to bring that into the light, it needs to happen. You need to confess it to a spouse. You need to tell a friend. You need to bring it into the light. You need to go to celebrate recovery. If we were to say all that, you might look at me and say, yeah, 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 I understand. I need that. But if we were to say, you know what, this one choice to bring this one sin into the light that has controlled you for decades might be the choice between you having a marriage 10 years from now and you not. It changes the ramifications. If I were to say to you, that division in your family, man, go clear that up. And you were to look back at me and say, well, I don't want to have to talk to my parents. Or I don't want to have to talk to my cousin or my brother. And isn't it true that so much over the last two and a half to three years with all the political divide in our world. And all that has happened with COVID, there are so many families that have gotten separated. And I might say to you, it needs to be mended, but you might look back at me and say, I know, but I, I really don't want to do it. But if I said, it might be the difference between your kids being connected to their grandparents or not. 
It might be the difference between your friend or your family member that does not know the love of Jesus encountering Jesus and being changed for all eternity or not. It gives new weight to that decision and it increases the significance, the cause for courage. When it's greater, my courage will begin to grow. And so often in our lives, it takes a, a shift of perspective. It's like uh, I go to the pool with my kids and I've noticed as I've gotten older and older, uh, I like to get in the pool less and less. And so I do this thing where I put the toe in and I put a half a leg in and my daughter's like, come on, dad, get in the pool. And I'm like, I sit there and then I look for another parent to have a conversation with. And I'm like, I never met you. Let's talk. Come sit down. And hoping that I don't have to get in the cold water. And uh, I don't want to get in the cold water. But there are times, like we're going down a river a couple of summers ago on a family vacation. And we're on this raft going down a river that was a little bit more than a lazy river. And right before we had gotten into this raft with our five family members, our daughter, Karis, uh, is screaming, I don't want to put on a life jacket. I hate these life jackets. And so we're threatening her, you know, you'll never be able to date the rest of your life. And you know, you'll never get a phone. You know, wait till you're 25 to get a, you know, I'll go on a date. All this stuff. And uh, so finally we got her to comply. Really good parenting techniques. And I can tell you what not to do. Um, but she got the jacket on, and right after she got the jacket on, we hit a, a bump in the river, and she flips out into the river. And I said to my wife, Stacy, would you just touch the water and see how cold it is? Would you please? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I immediately jumped into the water, and there was no question. How cold is it? How deep is it? What rock will I hit? How bad will I get hurt? Because there was a cause for courage. I want to encourage you right now. There's an area of your life that you know needs to change. There's a decision that you know that you need to make. And I want to ask you this week to connect that decision to the cause so that you can increase in courage. Now, the truth within this that God is saying to Joshua, I am selecting you for this cause. And on your notes, I want you to write this down. You are also selected by God. You are selected for the work of God. So there's an assignment that God has given to you. It might mean to go to our class next weekend and discover your shape and your area of ministry. It might mean for some of you that you would host a small group as we go through this journey together of uncommon courage. And I would say that there's no way that you're going to grow more than if you get it connected into community. And Stacy and I want to invite you to do that because it will help the work go deeper into your life. But for some of you, you've been thinking about starting a small group or hosting a small group since Purpose Driven Life Round 1. And what you need is courage to take that step. And God will use that to impact somebody else's life. But when you know that you're selected for the work of God, and you know that he is calling you and inviting you to give your life for a greater purpose, a greater cause, it increases your courage. Now God continues to speak to Joshua, and he connects him to the cause for courage. But then he continues, he says, I promise you, in verse 3, what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, You'll be on land that I've given to you from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north. So God is charting out the promised land. So he knows from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. So I am with you. I've given you these promises. And there are promises from God's word. It's not a physical inheritance. It's a spiritual inheritance. 
And there are so many places in the scriptures where God says things like, never will I leave you nor forsake you. The same power that conquered the grave lives inside of you. You're a child of God. You've been adopted as a son or daughter of God. And all of these promises, so God is giving Joshua promises, and God wants to give you promises. Promises like the songs we sing. He's been faithful through generations. Why would he fail now? He won't. He's going to be faithful last generation, this generation, and the next generation to come. So you can have confidence. And here's what he says in verse 5. He says, for I, God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, will be with you the same way I was with Moses. I want to encourage you in your notes to circle that word, I will be with you as I was with Moses. So circle the I's and circle the you because it's a unique personal God. He is the with us God. And all of creation from the beginning of time when God made humanity and he spoke life into existence, God has deeply desired to do life with us. That's the difference between the message of Jesus and every other world religion. It's a message that God came to us to live life with us to live in us. So the same promise, the same spirit, the same power that was with Joshua and Moses is with you. The same God that came to Mary comes to us. So there's confidence that grows the more that I understand this promise from God. I will be with you the same way I was with Moses. So as a result, Joshua, verse 6, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give to them. The second thing God is saying to Joshua, cultivate the condition of your heart. And when I cultivate the condition of my heart, when I cooperate with God to let him clean up what's on the inside, courage begins to grow. See, what happens for us as humans is as we walk through, you go to church, this happens to me when I spend time with God in the morning, I'm like reading the Bible, I'm praying, I'm listening to worship music, I'm like, man, I haven't sinned all day today. And then I see a kid, and it's all of a sudden, it's like all the condemnation. You're, you know, immediately from this great man of God to a sinner. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You ever have that happen to you? And as you go throughout your day, that things collect. And as you go throughout your life, even years to years, you collect. We collect bitterness. We collect selfishness. If I don't look out for number one, who will? We collect fear and anxiety. And if we watch the media too much, we'll collect more fear and anxiety. Because there are so many reasons why. The world is falling apart and the stock market is declining and inflation is growing. And we collect in our heart. And if we don't cultivate our heart with the presence of God, if we don't let God begin to pull the weeds out of our heart, what we'll do is we'll shrivel over time. And we'll become less of the person that God has created us to be. We'll live with fear. We'll live with anxiety. We'll live with bitterness. Instead of living with courage and faith. Believing that the God of the universe is with us. So what God wants to do is give you a stronger heart as you cooperate with him and pull those things out. The stronger your heart, the greater your courage. So a stronger heart, what it does, is it gives me increased levels of courage. And there's no way... To cultivate your heart more than doing life with God. This is why the promise that God gives to Joshua for a strong heart is I will be with you. 
And what happens is the more I do life with God, every single day, the more God shows me the things inside of me that he wants to change. And the beauty about the way the Holy Spirit works in us, he's pulling things out, but he's doing it with love. He's doing it with kindness. And you'll start following Jesus. And maybe some of you are new and you'll hear things like, okay, well, I, I want to focus on other people and be less selfish. And then you go along for another year and you, you hear things like, okay, well, there's some bitterness I want to deal with. And as you do life with God and you experience his presence, your courage is beginning to grow. A stronger heart is increasing your courage. And the truth that God is giving Joshua is the way to do this is being connected to my presence. And what we want is to recognize if I am connected to the presence of God, it increases my courage. I want you to write this down. I am connected to the presence of God. All of our kids have gone through moments in their life where they didn't want to go to sleep at night. And we've had, you know, kids that they go to the bathroom. I'm going to go pee, you know. I need some water. I drink water. I need to go to the bathroom again. You know, it just keeps going. And so you do the whole routine. And the one that has challenged us the most is our eight-year-old daughter. And she's, you know, she's still, we have this challenge with her. And uh, recently, she's like up a first time, a second time, a third time, a fourth time. And every time she wakes me up, I just wake up in the middle of the night just quoting Bible verses to her with a smile on my face. Like Mr. Rogers, bless you. It's a great night in the neighborhood. You know me well enough to know already that that's a lie. That's not truth. But there was a moment recently where she just kept coming in and, you know, by the end of it, I'm, I'm just really, really struggling. And finally she says, I, I just want to sleep in your room. I just want to be here in your room. And she lays down on the floor and when she lays down on the floor, after being awake for four hours, within five minutes she falls asleep. Because when she was with her dad, when she was with her mom, her courage grew, and she was able to have peace in her heart. The more that you do life with God, the more your courage will grow. This is why spending time every day reading the Bible, spending time every day praying, starting your day that way, increases your courage, gives you courage for the day that's ahead of you. And the beauty is you, you don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to open your Bible. You, you can begin to open the Bible. We've got Bibles at all of our campuses. And you can read. You can read like the Gospel of John. That's the story of Jesus. And what happens is you begin to experience and encounter the presence of God. Even before you make a decision to follow Jesus. Simply by reading this eternal book. And its power to change your life is present every time you open it and you ask God to speak and you do life with God. So I need, you need for courage to know that you are connected to the presence of God. Now these two steps are so important. I want to cultivate the condition of my heart. I want to connect with the cause for my courage. But there's a third one that I believe God is speaking to Joshua and he wants to speak to us and it's to contemplate God's word continually. To contemplate God's word continually. Now when you have three months to work on one message, you can get everything to start with the same letter. <laughs> now Pastor Rick and I, we have some things that are, 
different about us, of course, but there one, there's one thing that we have in common, and we love to play with words and make them match and sound in a way that you can remember them because they help you with your life. You can go and apply it. So this week, I got a text from Pastor Rick, and he was saying, hey, is there anything you need help with? I'm available. Just let me know. And I was working on my sermon, my message, and I was like, oh, I'll call Pastor Rick. And if you told me a year ago that I could call Pastor Rick Warren and work on my messages, I would have dropped dead. I would have never believed you. So I called him, and I'm like, you know, 80 to 90% through with the message, and I start sharing with him what I'm going to talk about, and he gave me this last third point. So if you don't like it, (laughs) you can blame Pastor Rick. Contemplate God's word continually. Maybe the most important of all that we've talked about today is God says to Joshua, again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey All the instructions that Moses gave to you, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left, and then you'll be successful in everything that you do. And this is a promise from God. And I've watched over and over again, people who follow in the ways of Jesus and the teachings of Scripture, their life is different. There's joy, there's peace, there's purpose. It's not that there isn't pain. Every person has pain, but it's way different when you walk through pain with the presence of God. When you do life knowing that you're in the hand of God and you're listening to his voice. So he says the way you do this is you study this book of instruction continually. Circle that word continually. It's daily. It's constantly. And then he says to meditate on it day or night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Now meditation can be a confused subject in our culture because so often we we think, well, meditation, meditation is like a meditation app. So I I downloaded some meditation apps because I listen to all these athletes and they talk about meditation and I promise you every time I turn them on within three minutes, I'm asleep. I'm like, I'm out. I'm like, slow your breathing. I'm just, I can't, maybe I'm too tired, but they say something in the, the meditation app, so they're like, breathe deeply, empty yourself. It's always this slow, calming voice. And I'm listening, and I'm like, I don't want to empty myself. I need to be filled up. I don't need to be emptied out. And meditation in Scripture is the filling of your mind with truth. It's the filling of your heart with the word of God so that you think about it over and over and over again. Worry is exactly the opposite of this. So you get a problem, you ever get a problem, a financial problem, a relational problem, a staff issue, and you just think about it over and over, so you're circling around the same issue. So what happens for courage to grow when you take scripture and you put it in or you take the Bible and you get a verse from the Bible about the truth of God, about what he says, and you put it in and you meditate it over and over and over again. Joshua, the words to to him is when you do this, God says, then you'll prosper and you'll succeed in everything that you do. If you'll improve your thinking, if you'll cooperate with the truth of God, what improved thinking will do for you is it will increase your courage. So the more that you improve what's in your mind, the more the expression of your life will be courage. So improved thinking leads to increased courage in every aspect of our lives. And sometimes the reason that the barrier keeps getting bigger is because the way we're thinking about the barrier is incorrect. So God wants to give you little verses from the Bible to help you. So let's take, for example, some of you that you, maybe you have an area of your life and there's shame and condemnation. 
And you hear this voice, which is the voice of the enemy. It's the lie from Satan that says you'll never get over this. You'll never get out of this addiction. Everybody thinks that you're worthless. You're a poser. Your life will never measure up. You'll never be the dad that you're supposed to be because of this stuff in your past. So you get one verse, like Romans 8.1, and it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from sin and death. So I look back at that lie that's in my mind that I want to meditate on, and I put truth in, and when I put that truth in, I remind the lie that's coming at me trying to make me live with fear and anxiety, the truth of God's word, and sometimes you speak to God, but there are other times that you need to speak to yourself, and you need to speak to the lie, and you need to say, this is what God says is true about me, and let your courage grow as your thinking improves. I know that many of you today... I know that for so many of you today, there are areas where you hear these lies. And I would encourage you that there's one verse or two verses from the Bible that could change everything for you. In fact, when we were processing God's call to come here, um, I took a little piece of paper. And I folded it in fours. And when I folded it in fours like this, there's eight sheets. And I wrote down a verse every single week at the top. And I would take that verse, like Romans 15, 13, and it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'd write that verse down, and I would write prayer requests, and in the process of discerning God's will, I'd fold this little sheet up, and I would put it in my back pocket, and I would go throughout my day, and when I'm feeling discouraged and lacking peace, I would just pull that out, and I'd say, I pray that the God of hope would fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. And what I would feel internally is that my courage, my strength would grow again as I would meditate on the word of God. And I'd look at these prayer requests and I would say, okay, God, I know that you're in this. I know that you can move. I trust you. I trust you with this church. I trust you with these kids. I trust you with my marriage. I trust you with this decision. And I watched God as I meditate on his word and I trust him with these areas of my life. I watched courage grow. I want to encourage you that God wants to do the exact same for you. And this is a promise from God, that he will direct your life if you'll put your life in his hands. You can and I can be directed by the word of God. And when we do all of these things, there is a courage that God deposits into our lives. And I want to finish with this verse. It says, this is my command Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. So remind your soul of these things. Remind your soul. I am selected for the work of God. God has a unique assignment for me. I'm connected to the presence of God. As I put my trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God is with me. And not only am I connected to the presence of God, but I'm directed by the word of God. And he wants to lead and guide my steps. And as we do this, courage will grow. Now, next week, we're going to look at the power of commitment to increase courage and the power of 20 seconds of courage. But as we wrap up our time together today, I would venture to say that the most courageous decision that you could ever make with your life is the decision to open up your heart 
to let God be in control of your world, to let him be the one that leads and guides your steps. And if you're honest with yourself, there are many of you that are listening to my voice today, those of you joining us online, those of you at our campuses, that you're not really certain that you've ever yielded control of your life to God. Today can be that day. Today can be the day that it goes from your head to your heart. That perhaps even you've believed these things, but you've never received them at a heart level. And I would say to you, there's nobody that has ever walked on planet Earth that has displayed more courage than Jesus. In fact, if you go to the life of Jesus in that last week before Jesus was crucified and resurrected from the dead, you would see courage in him over and over again. If you were to get a snapshot of the Garden of Gethsemane in on Thursday night when Jesus would go and he already knows he's about to be crucified for the sins of the world, you would see Jesus, as the scriptures display, in the Garden of Gethsemane down on his knees before his heavenly Father and he is sweating drops of blood and he is crying out to his Father. And I just imagine his face as he's down there on his knees and he's saying to his Father, he's saying, if there's any other way for this cup of suffering to pass from me, let it, let it be if there's any other way for the world to be saved, I, I see the pain. I see what's ahead of me. But Father, not my will, your will be done. And he's cultivating, he's strengthening his heart to go to a cross. Scripture says that there were angels surrounding Jesus. The God of the universe and human flesh needed strength for his courage. He needed his heart to be strengthened before he would go hang on a cross for us. And he would stand up from the Garden of Gethsemane. And he would be led to Caiaphas' house and he would be beaten on his back and he would be mocked by the religious leaders of his day and the Romans would ridicule him and they would spit on his face and they would pluck his beard and at the end of that they would put a cross on his back and he would march up to a place called Golgotha and the whole way as he's marching people are mocking him and ridiculing him and he would get to a cross and he would have his hands nailed to a cross and he would have his feet placed onto a cross with massive nails placed in there as this crown of thorns is on his head and blood is spilling down his body and he is at the greatest moment of pain physically that any human being could ever endure. Jesus looks out and he sees the people that are crucifying him and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And he looks over to the side at one guy who says, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus says, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise on a cross. Jesus is thinking about the people that he came to save. And did you know when he was on a cross, he had you on his mind. Scripture says God demonstrated his love for you in this. That while you were a sinner, he died for you. He was connected to the cause for the joy set before him. He endured the cross so that you could be free. So that you could have forgiveness. And while he's there, he's hanging and he's actually quoting scripture. And it's mind-boggling to think that the same God in human flesh that spoke the scripture into existence, the one that wrote the scripture, was being strengthened on a cross by the word of God. So he's being encouraged for the courage he needs to hang there to pay the price for us to be forgiven. And after being placed into a grave, three days later, his body would come forth 
victoriously, and he would resurrect from the dead, proving that he is God. And he is alive today, ruling and reigning the Savior who has come, and he is knocking on the door of your heart, and he is saying to you today, let go. I got you. I can care for you. I can lead you. I can guide you. I can move you into the life that you've longed for for decades. But today is the day. Today is the day to yield your heart to him. So I want to invite you right now in this moment. If you'll bow your heads with me. And if that's you, I want to invite you right now just to tell him from the bottom of your heart. Just have a man in mind today that's been running from God and you deep in your soul, you, you just wonder, could he ever love me? You know all that's in the closet, you know all those things and you feel like you're not enough, you're, you're unworthy. And I want you to hear my voice today. He's telling you, he's telling you he loves you. His goodness and his mercy is pursuing you. And if you just turn right now, he's right there. He's right there. He wants you to see his face of compassion and kindness. And he wants you to hear. There's, there's a woman here today and you've you felt empty and you feel like nothing's working. And he's telling you, I'll, I'll fill you. The thing you've been missing, it's me. I'm, I'm here. Just turn. Just turn to me. So just tell him from the bottom of your heart, I need you. And Jesus, I yield my heart to you in this moment. I surrender to you. Please forgive me for my past. Please forgive me for the brokenness. Thank you for paying the price so that I could be forgiven. Thank you for conquering the grave. Thank you for new life. You have all that I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate today?